1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: On DAB Plus, online, via the Talksport app, and on your smart speaker.
0: The Women's World Cup Show. It's a
4: really, really good finish. I love goals like that on Talksport 2. Hello. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. So England now know their quarterfinal opponents will be Colombia 24 hours after their penalty shootout win over Nigeria. We'll hear from Lionesses goalkeeper Mary Earp's
5: have a lot of faith in my teammates, a lot of trust in my teammates. And I think their quality, experience, resilience, all the characteristics you need for a winning team, I think they, they showed.
4: England will be preparing for their next match without Lauren James. She sent an apology to the fans via the FA. TalkSport have been gathering reaction for you out in Australia about the Chelsea Stars' red card.
6: If I was her, I'd be sitting in a room going, you know what, they did
4: their work on me, they planned it, and I reacted. Next time, she won't do it, and she'll just be the next big star. We'll also speak to a psychologist who used to work with the Lionesses about how the team will be protecting the player going
2: forward. Plus... We'll hear from Manchester City in England, forward Jess Park. An injury at that point, it's devastating, but at the same time it does happen and it is what it is. I just needed to work hard, get back, and here I am ready to go and I'm all fit and well.
7: And
4: we'll review the final last 16 matches as the quarterfinal fixtures are complete. Loads to get through. Thanks for being with us. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2.
6: I'm Neve Charles and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport.
4: Happy Tuesday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? Delighted to say, live from Australia, Talk sports England reporter Courtney Sweetman-Kirk is with me. How are you, Courtney? I'm very, very well. Landed in Sydney today, so
8: um, hopefully here for the foreseeable, depending on the line, that is.
4: Well, fingers crossed, because yesterday, I don't think any of us need that for our own health. To, to go through that again, what was it like from your perspective?
8: Oh, it was, honestly, it was stressful. Uh after the game I felt like I'd played I'd I'd never been so exhausted it was it was horrible to watch I must admit I'm obviously glad that they came through it in the end but you know you've got to give credit to Nigeria as well I don't like it when we say you know we talk about England and say maybe they didn't play to their potential but you've got to understand those reasons why and that was because there was a very good Nigeria team against them and Got to give them a lot of credit too.
4: I have to say, every time I've been on air over the last 24 hours, that's the first thing I've said. We didn't deserve to go through because I thought Nigeria on the balance of play were a better team, and they'll be kicking themselves because they had a couple of really good opportunities to uh, to punish England. And, and as you say, you know, England couldn't play their best because they were just harried and hustled for the full 120 minutes by Nigeria. But I did feel when it went to penalties that that the experience of this lionesses' side, the fact that they had actually gone. Through a, a similar thing, albeit in a in a friendly, but not a friendly, if you see what I mean, in the finalissima, um, only just mm. a few months earlier, actually, you know, meant that they were going to go on and win
8: it. Yeah, and I, for me, the body language straight away of both teams, um, I think you saw England; they looked a lot more confident, in my opinion, um, compared to the Nigeria team. You saw a lot of nerves in there, and. And as you say, that, that comes down a lot to experience and, and them not having those experiences at, at the major tournaments as uh, so much as, as England. So, yeah, I think I agree with what you say as well, your summarisation in terms of Nigeria deserved to win. I think they probably should have had a penalty as well, that oh. challenge Lucy Bronze. Yeah. Uh, straight through the back so yeah. But, but Was there know, any explanation in the
4: stadium about that by the way because certainly from our television monitors I was so surprised that the referee didn't go to VAR with that I mean we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth in the next part but I, I don't know what it was like as an in-stadia experience because certainly on the television none of us really understood what was going on but it felt bonkers that it wasn't looked at.
8: Yeah from what I saw in the stadium obviously you get um, the, the VAR come up on the big scoreboard none of that came up and Yeah, it seemed to be battered away, which yeah for me was unbelievable we definitely got away
4: with one there yeah I think so it was a definite I, I thought that was more of a penalty than uh, than Rachel Daly's penalty that was overturned um, but as I say we'll dig more into that I- in a minute um, obviously we know England ultimately scraped through to the quarterfinals it was a dramatic penalty shootout victory over Nigeria despite Lauren James's red card uh, a goalless draw into extra time only 10 players left on the pitch it made for a very nervy last 30 minutes but who else but Chloe Kelly scoring that final penalty to send the Lionesses through to the next round, where we now know they'll face Colombia. On Monday, we brought you Courtney's post-match interviews with Alex Greenwood and Bethany England. But let's hear the thoughts of Mary Earps, England's goalkeeper, who spoke in the press conference about what it means to make the quarterfinals of a World Cup.
5: The players, again, deserve tremendous credit. The team came together fantastically against all odds to, to really grind it out. And it was very, very tough. Nigeria... Um, were brilliant, uh, relentless, um, and yeah, I'm just so chuffed. Really, I'm so tired, but I'm really tr- chuffed that we that we got the job done. You know, I think it was a game that kind of kept flipping in terms of. I think you saw it maybe from the possession stats that kept flashing up on the board. We would we were dominant at times. Nigeria were dominant at times, and it kept flipping backwards and forwards. Um, so. Yeah, but but I think that, that sort of emotion that just kind of lasts a couple of seconds and then it's about just being logical and moving on to the next thing. You know, I have a lot of faith in my teammates, a lot of trust in my teammates. Um, and I think their quality, experience, resilience, all the characteristics you need for a winning team, I think they, they showed tonight.
4: They absolutely needed all of that resilience, didn't they, Courtney? And um, as Mary Up says there, they're a team and you could tell that. And this is what, although it's not been pretty at times, this tournament, this, these are the kind of wins that you need if you're going to go on and win a World
1: Cup.
8: Yeah, you've, you've got to have a little bit of luck on your side at times. There's no doubt about that. And it was interesting, actually, I was speaking to Ellie Roebuck not so long back and you know, everyone was talking about that China game in the 6-1, but they were saying I think we enjoyed the 1-0s more, and sometimes it, it is weird you do that as a footballer, the the games that come across more easy, it's sort of, yeah, it's fantastic, um, but I think the, the ones where you have to grind it out, where you have to stick together, um, you appreciate that a little bit more, and yeah, I think they'll definitely appreciate that Nigeria in and going forward though I do think the the performance levels need to improve
4: yeah they do Um, we're going to assess Colombia's victory over Jamaica later on I was covering that game for for Talk Sport and I feel I feel as if I'd have preferred the Lionesses to be facing Jamaica because although they have Bunny Shaw they've only scored one goal still in this tournament Um, and I feel as if there would have been you know, enough in England's side to, to, to beat Jamaica, but Colombia are actually quite an unknown because they, they can just turn on a sixpence and, and and score a wonder goal from absolutely nowhere, so England are going to have to really be on their guard.
8: Yeah, definitely but I think England have, have learned in this tournament and, well, not just in this tournament, but, you know, previously especially when you get to a knockout stage, it's never a given, but I agree I think Colombia offer something again different to what they've already faced and, you know, we're in terms of you know, the the way they play, quite typical South American style. So it'll be difficult again for the Lionesses. But, you know, if they play to their potential, then I would I would fancy us to, to get through. But I've just quite don't think I've seen that enough so far this tournament.
4: Yeah, I I think the fact that the draw has opened up so much for them has probably played into their hands very much so because, yeah, it's not quite clicked for them just yet. And look, we have to talk about what was the biggest talking point of of the match. As we record this show, we still don't know the length of ban that Lauren James will receive for treading on Michelle Olozzi, which saw us sent off three minutes from normal time. Could be one game, uh, could be three, but we do have an England statement sent to us from the FA. It says, Lauren is really sorry for her actions which led to the red card and is full of remorse. It's wholly out of character for her. We'll be supporting Lauren throughout and we... put. And we'll be putting forward representation on her behalf. We fully respect FIFA's disciplinary process and will not be making any further comment until after any decision has been made. Um, It could be around 10 days, actually, Courtney, to be honest. Um, That's what we saw uh, with the Nigerian player previously when when her uh, three match ban was um, was confirmed. So, you know, we're not going to know for a little while. No, and I suppose that's
8: difficult for Lauren as well because she's probably a little bit in limbo. Um, But unfortunately for her now, that's sort of uh, one of the punishments for for doing what she did. She's apologised and and hopefully as soon as possible she can move forward from it.
4: Yeah, you managed to actually uh, grab some fans after the game to ask them their thoughts on the red card and if they had any messages of support for the England forward. Let's hear what they had to say.
6: It's disappointing just because I want to watch her play. It's like watching a Jack Grealish of of the female uh, sport. She's brilliant. I think it's just, look, she'll get over it. It is
8: a massive loss. However, we've got a pretty good squad. So hopefully we'll pull through and we'll cover it. Have you actually got any messages of support for Lauren? She
7: didn't deserve it. She made a mistake it happens. We've all done it in football. Like, it was a foul in the first place, if I'm honest. Uh, she just lost her head, but just keep your head up, keep going. Beckham sprung
8: to mind. He got mentioned by a lot of my friends when it happened. Just keep your head up, and you'll come back stronger from this, and you'll learn from it.
6: Beckham, it happens again. Do you know what, though? If I was there, I'd be sitting in a room going, you know what, they did their work on me. They planned it. They, they swallowed me up, and, and, they, and they targeted me. You know what? And, and I reacted. Next time, she won't do it, and she'll just be you know, the next the next big star.
8: Hopefully, like, all the girls will be rallying behind her and and bring her back round, and hopefully it, it won't be a three-match ban. Please.
4: Yeah, nobody wants a three-match ban, but I think it's heading that way in terms of violent conduct based on what we've seen from FIFA previously, Courtney. But at, at the same time, I think, you know, on the balance of it, 100%, you can look there and say, that was a mistake. I, uh, the fan who said that she didn't deserve that, I'm afraid she did. Um, it, it was a red card offence. I don't know one person. You said it within commentary, as did Jenna Scalacci, as did everybody in in the post-match pods that that, that I've done so far looking back at this game. Nobody questioned it whatsoever. It was a stupid thing to do. No, 100 percent.
8: Again, sort of in game, I saw it straight away um, and thought it was strange that she got the yellow initially because I thought if you're going to, obviously, if you've seen it, if you're going to caution her for it, then it's got to be a red and no, i do think again in terms of the three match ban it it will be that um because it is is violent conduct we can't get away from it it's a, it's a silly mistake um you know a big mistake at that but you know as as it's been mentioned you know david beckham wayne rooney that they, they've been there at major tournaments and done it and it, it's it's definitely going to be a learning curve and it was interesting when I was speaking to Serena Viegman after actually the China game, first of all, and she said, look, let's not get carried away with mm. With LJ. She's young. She's got a lot to learn. Mm. Um, and and was sort of trying to shield her then. And it's, you know, a shame it's probably come round so quickly in terms of, you know, a mistake that's on the world stage, but ultimately she's got to learn from it. It's a moment where I think she's angry because she's been fouled. And in my opinion, it was a foul, but, The fact of the matter is you can't react in the way that she did.
4: No, and uh, to be fair, she's in illustrious company, isn't she? And look what Wayne Rooney and and David Beckham went on to achieve in their careers. So I don't think it's going to hinder her in that way. But as you say, Serena Vigman trying to protect her. And that's what um, the Chelsea boss Emma Hayes has has done as well. Just as a kind of more general point, because we are going to talk a little bit more about how you protect a player like Lauren James going forward. But just a, a quick final point on the standard of refereeing in this tournament so far, because I feel as if it's been a little bit hit and miss. We mentioned the two penalties there. Rachel Daly's overturned after initially being given, which I I personally think is the correct decision and I know others don't. I think I can't believe that Lucy Bronze's push on Michelle Alozie didn't even get reviewed. That's bizarre to me. And then the fact that the referee, even though it was pretty much in front of her I think, gave Lauren James a yellow card on initial look for that um for that petulant kick out. I kind of think, you know, I know what I think of the, the the general level of refereeing in the tournament so far. What do you think?
8: Yeah, I, I agree. It's been very hit and miss, and I think that's the thing that frustrates players. All you ever want as a player is consistency, and whether that almost be a right or a wrong decision, if it's it's consistent, you can cope with it. But I think from game to game, it's been so inconsistent. And either and like say within game, I agree. I think the Rachel Daly one she actually stops herself and stops momentum. The defender can't really do too much about it, in my opinion. Yes, there is contact, but we know that the thresholds are, are much, much bigger now. And yeah, in terms of the fact that that Lucy Brown challenge wasn't even looked at, it baffles me as to what's going on in-game mm-hmm. and what's going on in the VAR hubs. And it it also does make me wonder in terms of, of VAR, obviously in the women's game, it's not as used um, as, um, as it is in the men's game. So whether it's the, you know, the actual referees having that time mm. more to use it and, and will improve with that. I'm not sure, but. I think I've spoken to you before in just in terms of you know the standard of refereeing as a whole in women's football for me needs to improve and it's one of the biggest things that I think holds the game back.
4: Yeah, I I've spoken a lot with Bibi Steinhouse Webb who's the head of um, women's football refereeing in 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 England and you know there's so much training going on. They are absolutely trying to raise the levels as much as possible, but with that, you know there's an education piece and that is going to take time especially when you've got officials coming from all parts of the world with you know slightly different um applications of the laws as well it's uh it's, it's it's growing pains isn't it ultimately we'll be discussing this in a bit more detail with dr misha jervis later in the show she was the lioness's full-time sports psychologist uh, for about seven years um faker others and courtney swimming kirk with you this is the women's world cup daily show on talk sport 2 This is the Women's World Cup daily show on Talksport 2. Don't forget, the Talksport Network is the place to be for all things Women's World Cup. We'll have live commentary from all of England's remaining matches, plus updates on other games throughout the tournament. Of course, England next in action on Saturday morning on Talksport 2 against Colombia in that massive quarterfinal match uh, build up from 11 a.m. here on the station. Uh, thank you for being with us. I'm Faker Others. Courtney Sweetman Kirk is with me as well. So, after Lauren James's red card yesterday, there needs to be a discussion about players' welfare after incidents like this and protecting players properly. Mary Earps was asked about Lauren in her post-match presser. This is what she had to say.
5: I've not really spoken to to LJ yet. I'm sure she'll be disappointed. Um, but, yeah, we, we stick together as a team. Um, it takes everybody in a squad, every, every staff member um, to... to to grind out results like that tonight. So we'll be sticking together for sure.
4: Yeah, really important that her teammates uh, gather around her for sure. To shed more light on this, I'm delighted to say that Brunel University's Dr Misha Jervis joins us. How are you doing, Misha? I'm good. Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, well, thank you for coming on because your expertise is vital in these kind of circumstances because you were the Lioness's full-time sports psychologist for about seven years. Um, before we get into Lauren James specifically, what exactly did that entail when you did the job?
7: So my job was to um, be with the lionesses um, every game, every tournament. Um, I was with them when we got to the final of the Euros in 2009, um, to look at the psychological impact of performance to support them in tournaments, but also just to be a psychological backstop. Um, So many issues worked with individuals on very um challenging personal um challenges that they were going through so a, a range of things really
4: yeah it's quite key to have somebody i suppose outside of the coaching staff independent if you like for the players to be able to talk to did, did did you find even even back then that they that they used you regularly it feels as if players nowadays are are really open to to speaking to a sports psychologist
7: yeah absolutely um they they took a while to to get used to me because um, there were issues of um, trusting me and trusting confidentiality which I completely understand and um, I remember Rachel Yankee telling me that she'd um, that they'd set me up and they had someone tell me a story that wasn't true and they were waiting to see if it came out wow. and when it didn't they decided that they could trust me. I was just wondering about the the
8: roles of, of you as a psychologist going forward now and especially the way that the women's game has changed. We look at sports psychologists and maybe think about performance and and you know on and off the pitch, but actually how much now is it about the robustness of mentality, you know, off the pitch and, and thinking about Lauren James as is a great example in terms of her and maybe some of the media interest that she's gonna get now. How how is that role changes as the women's games progressed you think
7: well i think of course her vulnerability is heightened because she's more exposed in ways that previously she wasn't um and and in a sense that that's changed since the china game um so when people are more vulnerable then they become more fragile and in those situations then they absolutely need to have really good support around them and I liked I liked what Mary said about the team um, and she's acknowledging that actually everyone is part of that team and that was that's very much that sense of we are all in it together because you know through connection we feel safe and if she feels safe within that England team and everyone is trying to make her feel safe and to understand her not vilify her not not judge her not blame her um, everyone else can do that but those people who care about her who know her best their job is to support her um, like it like a family you know difficult things happen outside where do we want to be we want to be with our family with people who know us who understand us
4: yeah i, f- I feel as if this Lioness's team have that since they've won the euros i've been lucky enough to be in and around the camp um uh, quite a lot and, and it feels as if since the attention has you know, really focused in on them since that win, and they've had uncomfortable moments. You know, where uh, paparazzi have been interested in them. They've they've literally just had so much attention. They've gone from walking down a street with nobody knowing who they are to to know to everybody knowing who they are and, and not being able to get a moment's peace from that. And it feels like that's tightened this group up quite a lot because they are protecting themselves, which is going to be really key going forward for someone like Lauren James. Let's talk about the incident um, in itself. She's 21 years old. It was a frustrating game. 100% she's going to be sitting there thinking, oh my God, I can't believe I actually lost my temper and did that. Everybody's talking about the learning she's going to get from it. But when you're in the eye of the storm like that, I mean, thankfully, England progressed to the quarterfinals because I feel as if that storm would have been much wilder had they not. When you're in the eye of the storm like that, what reaction do you get from a player and what support do you need to give them?
7: So it's, it's interesting and it's beautiful that you use that note, that metaphor of the storm um, because sometimes if you're a player, it feels like a tsunami and you don't know which way is up. So one of the things that I work with with players is is ways that they can actually anchor themselves and wait until the storm has passed. Mm. Um, I think what happened um, to, to Lauren James was that she wasn't thinking, she was literally feeling. And it's like her body was just telling you what she was feeling in that moment. And she's probably never played in a game before where she was completely marked out of the game. Um, Nigeria did a great job on her, didn't they? Um, so those feelings of tension, of of, of frustration, of... Um, <clears throat> maybe self-doubt, you know, maybe the I'm not good enough story shows up, maybe different things arise. And in that moment, in that one little moment, her body just went there and there it was. And it was a moment for all of us to see. And Really, um, can I just jump in there because it's it, really it's, it's really interesting of,
4: you say that about yeah. her, her body doing that because there's a disconnect, isn't there, when you get like you get the mental and physical mati- um, fatigue towards the end of the game, which we were in the eighty seventh minute here. How much of that will have will have played a part in it, and how how can you help a player dealing with that kind of adrenaline and the physical and and emotional moments like that to to be able to take a step back
7: in future situations? Yeah. Because there isn't a mind-body disconnect. They're always connected, constantly connected. Um, And there's a great book called The Body Keeps the Score, which reminds us that actually things that happen to us are always um, reflected in our body. There isn't a separation. And notions of, well, what was she thinking? She wasn't thinking. She was just doing, and she was feeling. The... The feelings that she would have had of being in that situation, she's never experienced these before. So the expectation that she should just be able to navigate through them, because because I'm not quite sure what I think is um, is is very harsh on us in in a sense. And the learning for her comes with self awareness. So you know you were talking about the storm. But we have to have self-awareness to recognise when we're in the storm, um, so that we can anchor ourselves and not react, not not be dragged around by that storm. If you want, if you see what I mean, um, and and that for me is the bit that she hasn't learned properly yet. It doesn't mean to say she can't learn it. Um, but when we are in tune with ourselves and we recognise that we're feeling a little bit that the frustration is taking over, maybe we're getting distracted by it. That is when you then have to have the awareness to go, okay, I need to use a psychological technique such as anchoring just to kind of take that moment to to reset psychologically and physically because the two things live in the same space. Um, And probably she hasn't had to do that before um, because she's never lived this before. I'm hoping, of course, that she will be learning some of these things and I'm sure that the sports site that's working with her um, will will be looking to this.
8: Misha, can I ask you, in, in terms of, of your experience with the FA and, and you say that the sites probably working with her now, in, in terms of the support that players will get from from the
7: FA now, what, what does that look like as a, as a package sort of, of going forward? Well, I think it should be able um, to create Create a space where she's allowed to um, experience all of her feelings, um, and that it's that it's it's, it's a confidential space. Um, you know, she's going to be hurt by this. She's going to be vulnerable. She's going to be fragile. And you know, we kind of think that she should just be oh well, that was it. Fine, carry on. It's like you have to you have to recover from this event. So the kind of psychological support will help her recover. The um, the support of her manager and the understanding of her manager, which I think um, Sabrina Vitan showed beautifully when she spoke about her it, it being a second and actually her being a, a young player. Um, it, there wasn't judgment in her statement. There was understanding. So if those people and and her um, you know, her teammates offer her that, it's going to help her, it's going to help her progress and, and she needs a bit of distance between it to ask herself, okay, this adversity happens, right? There, there it is, there's adversity, but who do I want to be in the face of this adversity? What, what do I stand for? And, and what does the team stand for? And interestingly, what the team is saying is that they stand for each other. They've said that very clearly, Chloe Kelly said it, Um, a number of different players in different interviews have basically said that they stand for each other. Um, And that's a powerful value and that will also help her kind of go, okay, this is hard, this is difficult, you can't change it and now who, who, who do I want to be in the face of this and who's going to help me? Brilliant stuff!
4: Thank you so much. Really interesting and insightful. And you know, fingers crossed, they obviously have a team around her that that can that can help her through it. Uh, Misha, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. You're welcome, Doctor. My Me- pleasure. Dr. Misha Jervis there from Brunel University, of course, uh, used to be the Lionesses' full-time sports psychologist as well. Uh, this is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Others and Courtney Sweetman-Kirk with you. Coming up next, we're going to round up all the action from the final round
1: of 16 fixtures. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
4: You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. TalkSport have live commentary of all England's remaining games across the network so thanks for choosing to be with us. Of course the next quarterfinal, England will be facing Colombia, that's on Saturday, an 11.30 a.m. kickoff here on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk is with me and the final two round of 16 games took place early on today, meaning we now have confirmation of all eight quarter-finalists. Uh, this morning, Jamaica contested their first ever knockout game in the Women's World Cup. They faced Colombia to decide who would go on to face England in the quarter-finals. The match was cagey in the first half, neither side able to edge out the other. I'm not going to lie, I was covering it for Talk Sport, and the first 45 minutes was a really painful watch. Uh, but the game did spring into action in the second half. Colombia took the lead after 51 minutes. Uh, Catalina Uzmey Slotting home a beautiful cross from 18-year-old Anna Guzman. And that goal was the first time Jamaica had conceded in around 320 minutes at this World Cup. They did have their chances to equalise in the second half. Drew Spence of Tottenham Hotspur headed a ball wide of the net by mere inches in the 82nd minute and they had a shot cleared off the line before that as well. But just wasn't enough ultimately in the end. So more history has been made in this competition. Colombia go through to the quarterfinals for the very first time. Delight for the South Americans and their devoted fans but devastating for Jamaica they have won over a load of neutrals though for sure let's hear from their manager Lorne Donaldson who was asked in his post-match press conference earlier how the game of women's football in Jamaica can move forward
9: you know, a big problem coming in we had no games you know we had no games international games so I mean the international games first international game we, we have had in you know four or five months was here okay when they blow, or six months, when they blow the whistle. That was our first game. So all we did was a few, a few camps. So I can do that by getting more games and getting players better prepared, you know, if we have games, you know, I mean, like, you know. So, and I think because they're going to change the way the Caribbean football and carnival and all that stuff, we will play some more international games. So we, we will use a lot of those games when they come up the gold cup for the women's and all that as preparation. So that's good stuff for women.
0: What do you hope that young girls uh, take away from watching the reggae girls?
9: Yeah, and um, you know, it's, 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 it, it's something we hope go well. You know, currently, Sidella Marley has a program in Jamaica that she's actually running, okay? And it's a very good program for young girls, and hopefully now, we can get more, 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 more young young ladies involved in the program, and and I think the girls watching this and people are up, you know, win or lose, somebody, you know, they they get something out of it. So what I'm saying is, I'm hope everybody now in Jamaica can embrace women's football and just make sure that from the primary school all the way up, you know, can say, okay, we want to do this.
4: Yeah, I mean, it's bigger than just this World Cup on its own, isn't it, Courtney? And that's what's so vital with so many of these lower ranked teams in this tournament. What they can do at home, bearing in mind they have to crowdfund to even get to the World Cup in the first place, this could be a real turning point.
8: Yeah, and I think we're seeing that this tournament, this is a, a turning point in, in the strength and depth in women's football. And hopefully, you know, that continues going forward. And you know, for Jamaica as a federation now, it's about putting their money where their mouth is in the sense that, you know, to say hey, they've had to crowdfund, the the girls have been very vocal and, and put their statement out. And they've almost done their side of the bargain in, in terms of, look, they've got to the knockout stages. They've probably gotten further than people expected. So now they've got to be back going forward. And I think, you you know, you always look at different things, cultural things and, and track and field as, as sort of their national sport. But obviously now this World Cup and hopefully the eyes has, has brought football um, into the limelight a bit more in Jamaica.
4: Yeah, it really has. I mean, they just couldn't quite get back into the game today uh, against Colombia. Neither side overwhelmingly brilliant in it. And, you know, Usme was fantastic and scored under pressure. Um, what What do you think Colombia's threat are to, to England? I think for
8: me, I, I touched on it, that South American style of play. They're very combative. Um, you know they'll get their bodies on the line as well, but they're obviously not afraid to sort of. I don't want to say play out because that's the wrong word, but you know, in terms of getting their bodies, winning fouls, being clever with what they're doing, um, and obviously we sort of going back to to LJ, we saw when she was a little bit rattled how obviously she reacted, and and that was negative. Um, and I think you know they'll. I think the Columbia team will be looking at that, especially mm. and thinking, right, we we need to rattle this team, and and that's what Nigeria did in a different way. Um, to England but I think it shows that England can be unnerved and and Colombia will have their own way of doing that.
4: Well I watched Colombia do it to the Germans you know they absolutely harried them from the first whistle and Alexandra Popp who's got you know the most incredible amount of experience in a in her locker was rattled and annoyed and irked and that German team the whole way through were just like what this shouldn't be happening and so England are going to have to really guard against that it's going to be really important but i'm also fascinated to see how they line up against them because you know i mentioned in the pod with um, Jenna yesterday that i feel england were exploited in that 3 at the back system that Serena Wiegmann used again that that worked so well against china because where Lucy Bronze and Rachel Daly pushed up so high, it just left so much space in um, on on the wings behind. They can't do that against Colombia with the likes of Linda Carcedo and um, and Ramirez, etc., and Usme as well.
8: No, they can't. And it, it baffled me that, that that was really persisted with for as long as it was, because the, the threats were very, very evident early on. Um, and actually, when we went down to ten. We look more comfortable because we were probably more a little bit more pragmatic going mm. forward, and we look better in shape. And if we are going to persist with the three at the back and, and Lucy and Rachel playing the wing backs, then they can't both go. That's the problem. When they're both going, they leave the gap. So if we're if we're going to persist with that, we need to let the the wing back go on that side, and the other one took round just to give us that that bit of shape. But It was interesting that the Nigerian manager in his presser after the game was saying, we've given everyone a blueprint now how to beat England. And I I found that very interesting.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The final round of 16 games saw one of the favourites, France, take on tournament first time as Morocco. France had had a rocky time making it out of the group stages after kicking off their tournament with that unexpected goalless draw against Jamaica. But after winning their other two games, they were hoping to continue building up some momentum. Meanwhile, Morocco had been written off by... so many after opening up with that 6-0 defeat to Germany but wins over South Korea and Colombia showed they had much more to give in this World Cup Joe Shannon was watching this one for TalkSport
3: Confirmation of the final score here, a very comfortable and perhaps ominously impressive round of 16 victory for France at the Women's World Cup They will play their co-hosts Australia in the last eight and it has finished in Adelaide France 4, Morocco 0.
4: Delighted to say that Talk Sports' Joe Shannon joins me now to discuss this get this game. Well, this was a much improved France performance, wasn't it, Joe?
3: Hi, Faye. Yeah, the French were excellent, you have to say, in Adelaide, having not entirely convinced across the group stages. But this was a much better overall display from Herve Renard's team, really from minute one. They took apart the underdogs with a display of clinical finishing. They were absolutely ruthless throughout this French team. Better team for the entire game. And the goals are well taken, even if the defending did leave a bit to be desired. A couple of goals for Eugenie Sommer. poacher's has gone at the far post for a second with a header. Kadidiatu uh, Diani and Kenza Dali, who of course we know in the WSL with Aston Villa gave them a 2-0 lead early on. Really if anything the, the one regret that Herbie Renard the manager might have is that they didn't score more but you can clearly see that there is a togetherness about France which of course has been so lacking over the last few years under the previous head coach uh, Corinne Diacre, who was sacked in, a, in the wake of a player revolt uh, earlier on this calendar year but Renard seems to have come in and got this France side playing some good football and most crucially as we often to know as a tournament goes on you want to get better you don't necessarily want to peak too early in any major tournament it does feel like quite ominously France are improving as it goes on that game against Australia the co-host is going to be fascinating in the last 16 and then of course if France were to get through that and if England were to beat Colombia then they'd meet in the semi-finals so uh, that in itself would be really exciting but I think uh, the French will say job done, but I think Hervé Renard will say performance-wise um, he he couldn't really have expected much better than he got.
4: Just a word on Morocco. Just even getting to the last 16 was was, was huge for them. Maybe this was just... One step too far.
3: Yeah, it was disappointing, really, I think, from a Morocco perspective. As you say, look, they've had an extraordinary run across the tournament so far. Number 72 in the world. Nobody expected them to get to this stage. Uh, The first Arab nation to compete at the Women's World Cup finals. and They shocked the football world, really, by getting second place in Group H, ahead of the two-time winners in Germany. Remember, Germany had beaten Morocco 6-0 in their opening game of the tournament. So to put that aside and qualify in the manner that they did... Absolutely extraordinary. It just felt like they froze Faye in the course of the evening here in Adelaide. They never really got going, never really got a grip on the game. And I think the most disappointing aspect of it uh, for Reynald Pedro, the coach, will have been the defending. I think particularly in the first half um, and particularly for a couple of those early goals, the error from El Chad for the third, a, a little deflection into the path of Le Somers and really once it's 3-0 it's game over. So they will learn from this, they will learn from the experience really by the time it was 3-0 to France at half time it was realistically game over. But I think Morocco as we've seen throughout the Women's World Cup, fair, are one of a, a number of sides, a number of underdogs you might call them, who've really captured the hearts and minds of football fans a, a, across not just Australia and New Zealand but across the world as well with their performances. So they will come again Um but I think it is fair to say that on the night they they were outclassed
4: Brilliant stuff, thanks Joe, chat soon
3: Thanks Faye, speak to you soon
4: Let's get the thoughts of uh, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk again on, on on this game, I mean France were 3-0 up uh, after 25 minutes, it was it was such a dominant display, Aston Villa's uh, Kenza Dali on the score sheet along with uh, Diani and Le Sommere but France looking a bit more of a prospect
8: Yeah, Inc cruise control in in that game, where they looked fantastic going forward, every time they break, they look like they're going to going to score, and they've probably done it sort of the, the right way round. That it's a weird thing to say, but in terms of you know maybe a bit of a stutter at the start, but now you know gaining confidence going through the tournament, going from strength to strength, and I think ideally you know that's what you want to be peaking at the right time, and they certainly seem to be doing that.
4: I have to say, look, I don't want to look too far forward, especially bearing in mind what happened against Nigeria, but big but. I like big butts. Sorry, I shouldn't do that. If England do beat (laughs) Colombia on Saturday, I don't know why I did that. If Colombia get beaten by England on Saturday, that is still such a big if. um, They would face the winner of the match between France and Australia. I mean, who would be the preferred opposition in the semi-final? I mean,
8: it's so difficult. I'd probably say from maybe, uh, just if you're talking solely football, I would say France, but... The fact that it will be in, you know, if it is Australia, it will be in Sydney, in the Olympic Stadium. You know, seventy plus probably thousand fans all cheering for Australia. That obviously has it, its um, it, its own merits for Australia, and they'll want to make that atmosphere. Um, a cauldron for them. So either way, it's a very, very tough semi-final draw.
5: Yeah,
4: most definitely. So the results of those two games uh, this morning means we have confirmation of all four quarterfinal matchups. Some cracking games to look forward to as well. Uh, remember, England are going to be in action on Saturday at 11.30 in the morning. UK time we will have build-up from 11 here on TalkSport 2. They'll face Colombia. Joe Shannon and Leanne Sanderson will bring you live commentary from that game here on TalkSport 2. The other quarterfinals will see Spain. Take on the Netherlands. That's Friday at 2 a.m. UK time kickoff. And Japan face Sweden on Friday at 8:30 UK time. Then on Saturday, co-hosts Australia face France at 8 a.m. UK time, which is before that massive game of England versus Colombia. We'll have all the updates for you on Talksport because we have every game of this Women's World Cup covered. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on Talksport. Two. I'm Faker Rothers. Courtney Sweetman Kirk is with me. Uh, coming up, we'll hear from England and. Manchester City forward Jess Park on how she's dealing with the injury that kept her out of the World Cup. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show in association with Zero small business accounting software and proud partner of England women. Dream bigger. If you miss this episode live or duck in halfway, do not worry. We're also available on podcast. Plenty of places you can download us. First, head to the TalkSport app to find us. Uh, Right, earlier on today, TalkSport's Bradley Hayden spoke to Manchester City forward Jess Park, who had to withdraw from the England squad with a shoulder injury during the prep camp before the Lionesses flew out to Australia. Park sustained the injury Injury during a training session back in May While on loan with Everton And the injury cut short an impressive spell With the Toffees making 22 appearances Across all competitions Scoring 5 goals and providing another 5 assists Helping Everton to a 6th place finish in the WSL But despite having to continue her rehabilitation Back at City She's been following the tournament And cheering on the Lionesses all the way
6: How's everything with your, with your shoulder injury? Are you ready for the start of the new season?
2: Yeah, it settled down really well, you know, I'm back into full contact, I feel really confident. Little aches here and there, but completely normal and I'm ready to go, so yeah.
6: I mean, how much of a blow was it for you, though, to to miss out on your, your first major tournament and, and the World Cup this summer through injury?
2: Yeah, I was gutted, but obviously it's part of football, you know, we put our bodies on the line and taking you know an injury at that point it's devastating but at the same time it does happen and sometimes it can't be controlled so it is what it is I just needed to work hard get back and here I am ready to go and I'm all fit and well so yeah.
6: Well it seems like you're approaching it with a really good attitude but has it been difficult watching the tournament knowing that you you would have been out there and been a part of it and a part of this line this side we were going into to the quarterfinals this week had it not been for injury?
2: Yeah, of course it's it's you know, it's hard to watch sometimes, but I, I completely support the girls and I've got their back here and we're all behind them and I want them to do as well as they possibly can and I'm so proud of them of how far they've come already. So, you know, it's just important for me now to support and be there from them from back here. So yeah.
6: You mentioned the support there. What what was the sort of support like from Serena and the rest of the squad when, when you had to say that I've I've got to unfortunately pull out for it for injury?
2: Yeah. It was absolutely brilliant. Like I couldn't have asked for any more. Like it was what it was. What happened is what happened, and they all had my back. You know, Serena was absolutely lovely about it, and I wish them all the best and to go and smash it at the World Cup. So yeah, it was it was absolutely fine.
6: And on Serena, everyone says she's absolutely lovely and great to work with. What what is she like, and what do you think she'll be saying to to this line? This is slide ahead of the quarterfinal against Colombia this Saturday.
2: Uh, you know, I think she'll have their back. She's conf- she's you know confident in the team, and um, she's confident in everybody who's there. And I think she, you know she'll bring that calm confidence into their game and push them to go in there and um hopefully win it.
6: I mean, have you been in touch with any of the the squad out in in Australia, and New Zealand? What what have they been saying to you? If so, about about the tournament and the atmosphere in camp.
2: To be honest, it's really hard to get in touch with them with the time difference. So I've sent my little good looks and well done's here and there, but. They're they're kind of in their bubble doing what they're doing. They'll give me a little response back. So, yeah, I've tried to keep in contact, but it's pretty hard.
6: I mean, what what have you made of the team's progress so far in, in the tournament?
2: It's been absolutely brilliant. You know, you've seen them grow in strength and they're working really, really hard and they never, ever give in. And I think that's the massive thing. You know, they always find a way to win with the penalties. You know, the other day it was a tough one against Nigeria but they got through it and they got through on the penalties and it was absolutely brilliant and we're all so proud of them back here so.
6: You mentioned the game against Nigeria there bit of a nervy one there with with Lauren James getting sent off and us having to go through on penalties what what did you make of of that game and, and how we managed to to grind it out in the end?
2: Uh, you know, I think the girls, you know, they worked really, really hard. They stuck to their plan. And I think that's, that's one thing that, you know, the, the England girls are really good at. And I think we're all really, really proud of them to keep going. And even in such a nervous situation in the penalties, they still managed to pull it out of the bag. So, yeah, we're all just really, really proud of them.
6: On the penalties as well, you would never have known that team were nervous because some of those penalties and the way they took them was was incredible. You know, such pressure, and you know they were lot off, most of them were going into the top corner or, or or completely not giving the goalkeeper any sort of chance. I mean, in terms of that, did you, when you're away with England, do you, do you practice penalties much at all? Because it seemed like they they they've done that so many times before and knew exactly what to do in that situation.
2: I think, you know, as a player, we always know it could go down to, you know, penalty shootout. And I think it's important individually for each player to have kind of their strategy on what they're going to do. So I think a lot of players have them and implemented them, you know, within the penalty shootout. And you could see how well they took their penalties and, you know, we we needed them to do that. And they did. And it's absolutely superb. So, yeah, credit mm-hmm. to them.
6: I've got to ask you about Chloe Kelly as well, because she scored the winner in the Euros final last year. She scored the the winning penalty in the final earlier early this year. And now the winning penalty against Nigeria to get us through to, to the quarterfinals of the World Cup. I mean, she she surely has nerves of steel, doesn't she?
2: <laughs> she must do, and she needs to teach me, I think. <laughs> no, she's at Absolutely incredible. I think, you know, she works really hard day in day out here at club and she does the same thing when she's away at England. And you can just see it from the, the you know, nerves of steel that she's got to, you know, step up to that spot. And I think it's absolutely incredible. And we could all learn a thing or two from her.
6: I mean, how far do you think this team now can go going into the tournament? Obviously, you got Colombia in, in the quarterfinals, which seems like a bit of a, a bit of a tricky test considering how well they've done so far during the tournament.
2: I think, you know, getting anybody at this stage of the tournament would have been difficult, so I think, you know, we just got to play against what we've got in front of us and I think I'm very confident in the girls and I think everybody back here is very confident in the girls and I think they'll do as proud and they'll work as hard as they possibly can and that's all we can ask from them.
4: That was Manchester City and England's Jess Park speaking with TalkSport's very own Bradley Hayden. Uh, TalkSport England reporter uh, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk is with me here on TalkSport 2. I mean, Jess wasn't the only player to miss out through injury, Courtney as we know. Captain Leah Williamson, Mm -hmm. Euro's Golden Boot winner Beth Mead and experienced Lioness, Frank Kirby, all not fit enough to to make the squad. And I mean, she was on the standby list, to be fair. Um, Lucy Staniforth then eventually took her place on the standby list, but still missing that experience of going out for the first couple of weeks and being there for the opening game, as uh, Maya Letizia and, and Lucy Staniforth got to do, it is a real shame for her.
8: Yeah, it is. And I think those experiences are invaluable and I think, no doubt, you know, she carries on into the trajectory the, the, the way she is at the moment. We will see her at a major tournament. Um, It's unfortunate that she doesn't get the experience now. But as I say, I'm sure in the future that she'll definitely be a future star of England.
4: Yeah, we heard your interview with Jordan Nobbs um, uh, the other week about how difficult it was for her to miss international tournaments through injury. How, how do you even go about dealing with that as a player?
8: I think it's difficult. You always have that fear of missing out. I think every player is different. Some people want to be, you know, at your club, you, you can be around the squad, you can be uh, training more. And, and some people I, I found, I, I isolated myself when when I broke my leg and I wanted to sort of get on with it and, mm. and do it in my own time as much as possible away from the squad because it was almost like I was seeing something that I couldn't have. So every player is different and they they find the coping mechanisms and, and the resilience to to finally get back with the squad
4: six of the lionesses are uh, are appearing at their first major tournament even if they don't get the minutes in australia it's it's a valuable experience isn't
8: it yeah it is and i was speaking to to beth england about this and you know about the Euros specifically and, and not getting a minute there and it was interesting actually because she very much values that experience now but she said for a long time a good few months she didn't feel like she was worthy of of her medal which is is very interesting and it's something that Say so with you know the the tournament experience you might not appreciate it at the time if you don't get on the pitch, but it's very important that you've you've still got a role to play even if you you know necessarily might not get minutes on the pitch
4: well, yeah, because Bethany England just slotted straight into this England side out in Australia because of that experience she'd had at the Euros. I get what you mean. If you're a footballer with a winning mentality and you don't get a second on the pitch, you know, Gareth Southgate has spoken about it a lot and Serena Wiegmann did last summer about how vital those players who didn't get minutes were. Leah Williamson in 2019 didn't play a minute and now she's England captain. You know, I think it's, it's underestimated actually how those players can support the rest of the team.
8: Yeah, it really is. And look, they've got to be on it every day in training to make sure that, the, you know, the other girls are prepared when you're playing, you know, your big phases of play and, and the other team so, sort of, they will be playing like the opposition. So to be paying attention to that, making sure they're doing the right things. And also in, in terms of the mentality around camp and, you know, not being negative, obviously there's going to be disappointment that you're not playing. That's only natural, Um but, yeah, ha- having the right support systems around you as a player is, is invaluable. And what I will say about this group being around is they are so, so close and, and they're really in it together. And, and regardless of minutes on the pitch, they, they want to go and win this tournament and they want to do it for each other.
4: Yeah, and hopefully Jess Park can break back into the squad again if she has a decent WSL season. Because, of course, after this tournament, all attention turns to qualification uh, for the Euros, which will be held in Switzerland in 2025. Uh, Courtney, has been a del- light as always you need to get yourself some sleep i'm worried about you but at least you don't have to do much flying (laughs) for a while now
8: yeah hopefully i can go and do a little bit more surfing as well if i get time
4: oh i look forward to seeing that brilliant stuff i'm glad it's out it's you out there doing that because if i was made to try surfing it would be a disaster the last time i went to bondi beach i nearly (laughs) drowned on a boogie board so (laughs) surfing is definitely not for me Thank you to Courtney Swim Kirk, Dr. Misha Jervis, Jess Park, Joe Shen and Bradley Hayden, producers Myra Numa, and, and of course, all of you, as ever, for listening. Don't forget, if you miss any of the shows live, you can download the Women's World Cup show via the TalkSport app. Our next two podcasts will bring you exclusive audio from the England camp, while our next show is on Friday at 11pm on TalkSport 2, when we'll preview the Lionesses' quarterfinal match against Colombia. Next here on TalkSport 2, kick off with Adrian Durham.